of you know that in marriage, communication is key? Can anybody agree? Yeah. So we're communicating. Um, but anyway, we're so glad you're here. We are right off the heels of an of a excellent marriage conference. Um, lots of good information, lots of great people being here, and a lot of interesting topics talked about this weekend. Um, I'll, I'll just leave you to that. You really missed out if you didn't come. There were some funny topics um, and some uh, serious topics, but uh, today we're going to be wrapping up that series. And listen, if you're not married and you're like, oh no, not a marriage conference on Sunday, this will apply to you. God's word applies to you. Do you hear me? When the word of God is spoken and brought before you, it will apply to you. So get your thinking caps on, get your spirits opened. Scripture tells us to lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, that the King of glory can come in. Now, we do put up gates, we do put up walls, and sometimes we're not listening. So I want to encourage you, with God and His Word, get those walls down, get those gates open, and let the Word and the Spirit come in. Amen? Amen. Y'all are kind of half here. Y'all were excited during worship. And now it's like, eh, you know, come on. Uh, now's the good stuff. We've been worshiping. We've been pouring our hearts out to God. And now it's time to receive from what the Lord has for you today. And I believe the Lord has a word for you. Amen. Come on. Let that go. Yeah. All right. So as we finish today on uh, uh, Knockout 2016, I want to give you an acronym of PTSD. And does anybody know what that means? disorder. Yes, that. And uh, unfortunately, I believe so many marriages are there. You may be just married a year and you may already feel like uh, you've been on the battlefield and bloody and half alive and God, what did I get myself into? Others may have been married. Elizabeth and I have been married 23 years. And, you know, there are times that you feel stressed, but this is no way to live. The Lord has not walked you and, and created marriage in your life so you could live a life stressed, tortured, in pain, hurting. That is not why God created marriage. God created marriage to be beautiful, to be strengthening, to equip you to take on more than you could do all by yourself. It, marriage is a great thing. So, I'll, I'll, honestly, I, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I was praying over this. Uh, Pastor Zach had said, hey, I want, you to, I want you to catch this last Sunday and wrap this thing up. And for some reason, PTSD came in my head. So I started thinking, okay, God, how can I flip post-traumatic stress disorder? And I've come up with my own uh, acronym for this. We're going to reverse the thinking of PTSD. Number one is planning. In your marriage, and let me tell you, these apply to anything in your life, whether it's your job, whether it's your kids, whether it is your walk with the Lord, whatever you're facing, these four steps will apply to your life. Number one is planning. And I love this quote from Zig Ziglar. You've heard, if you've heard my preaching, you have heard this quote. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. We have to aim. Where do we want to go? Getting somewhere, the first step in getting somewhere is determining where you're going, right? So planning, the P is planning, and I believe a big part of planning is setting goals. We don't set goals anymore. 
Joe McGee years ago, uh, it may have been in the financial uh, conference that he did, but he just talked about setting goals. And Elizabeth and I, that first year, wrote down probably 10. I don't remember how many it was. And to be honest with you, we kind of set it aside. She probably knew where it was. I didn't. But when we came back to it a year later, we had accomplished almost everything on those goals. There is something spiritual about you writing down your goal, about you setting your goal. And I want you to know that research has shown, has showed, and this research comes from the Dominican University by a girl by the name of Gail Matthews, did a study of the effects of writing down your goals, that those who wrote their goals down accomplished significantly more than those who did not write them. It's been proven if you will get it down on paper, if you will think about it and lay it out, that there is studies that have shown that you will benefit from uh, writing those goals down. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty only comes to poverty. Do you hear that? The plans of the diligent. We've got a plan. I want you to know God has a plan. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for the kingdom. God has a plan for the church. God has a plan. There is nothing that he has created that he does not have a plan for. He's a planner. And if you'll get in his word, you'll see his plan. And his plan is for you, for a hope and a future. His plan for you is good. His thoughts about you are good. But it says here that we must plan if we will plan and be diligent, we will reach that abundance. We will. But who is hasty only comes to poverty. Look at Habakkuk. That always sounds like I'm kind of hawking up something. but Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord answered me, write the vision. Everyone say, write the vision. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits at its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So in your life, and I just want to apply it right now to marriage, but you can apply it to anything that you're walking through. What's your vision? What's your vision for your marriage? What does that perfect marriage look like? And write it down. Write it down. What are you looking for? You know, unfortunately, so, so many times we think we just get married and it's a fairy tale. Life's not a fairy tale. I'm sorry. It's just not. Life comes with challenges. Life comes with struggles and circumstances and hills and valleys and rain and sunshine and beach and work and arguments and intimacy. Marriage has this ebb and flow. But what does your perfect marriage look like? And, you know, a few things that Elizabeth and I talk about some. We've, we've looked at kind of what our marriage looks like. And I want to tell you a few of the things that we have written down or have talked about is that our relationship would grow stronger. That our communication would improve. Can anybody say amen to that? Especially you men. Amen. <laughs> i got one of you. Our finances. Let me tell you, it's one of the, it's one of, it's a big area. We talk about it regularly, and we um, work on our communication regularly in finances. Was that a good way to put that? Or, or, or we um, realize we need to work on our communication 
in our finances. And also in our time, how much time that we spend with each other, how much face time that we get with with each other. But write it down. What is your vision for your marriage? And does your spouse believe the same thing? What's awesome is to, for us to both talk about what we want and then see how do these two fit together because they need to fit together. I can't be going in one direction and her going in another one. And the longer we're married, the more we start thinking alike. We want the same things. We desire the same things. Sometimes I want to go in a weird direction. That she's like, ah, that's okay, you go ahead. I'll kind of be in the back cheering you on. Or she's like, I'm going in this direction. Ah, okay, I don't want to go to TJ Maxx. But you go ahead. Um, But do you see, but we're still together. I cheer you on, sitting in the car while you're shopping. TJ Maxx. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I do want to speak to this, um, writing down a goal. Um, I had just read a little devotional by James Dobson, which, by the way, um, Focus on the Family is a great resource for families and marriage, uh, raising children. If you're not aware of that resource, I would encourage you to uh, check into that. He has a lot of good um, information. Anyway, so I was reading this devotional, right? And he um, told a story about um, a guy in a canoe who was out on this, I guess, like a little stream, and it was very peaceful and a really nice day. And he decided that he would just, you know, take his oars and tuck them into the canoe and like lay down and relax and just kind of enjoy. And sure enough, he fell asleep. And when he fell asleep, he started to drift. And, you know, that's what happens when we don't pay attention to our goals and our vision. And this man ended up um, kind of beached on somebody's campground that he didn't know, and he woke up to strange voices. Um, This story, as I read it, made me think about a time when my sister and I were young teenage girls, and we were at the beach, and my parents would let us go to the beach by ourselves, which probably wasn't the best decision in the world. Um, they They went and played golf together, so Nicole and I were out there, two young girls, and we decided that it would be a really great idea to get on our rafts and tan in the middle of the ocean. Doesn't that sound relaxing? It sounded real cool to two young teenage girls. So we go get on our rafts, which is hard to do with the waves. You know, you kind of got to get deep enough to where you're not getting clobbered by the waves. And we get out there and lay down. And sure enough, very quickly, we started to separate And I can remember getting so far out, I was scared to death um, because I had left, you know, safety. And I had drifted. And I think that what he's talking about with goals that, you know, we have to be real careful to write a vision, um, to make it clear, and to go back and revisit those things. And I think really that's the key is to go back and revisit and make sure that we're still on the same path. Um, I'm going to read a scripture to you, and I think that path is key. It's uh, Proverbs 5.24, and it says, Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. I think it's so Sorry, important. Sorry, I got the wrong scripture. That was my fault. What are we doing? I just, everybody's looking at this and you're reading something else. No, that's what I'm reading. Ponder the path of your feet. Oh. And let all your ways be established. (laughs) 
<laughs> Husbands, are y'all ever shocked when y'all accidentally do get it right? <laughs> so I was going to make a real good point about that. Sorry. <laughs> Ponder the path of your feet and let your ways be established. Um, do not turn um, to the right or to the left and remove your foot from evil. Um, and I will tell you, it's very important. You know, when we set out goals and visions, especially as a couple, it's one thing to set them out as an individual. You know what? It's easier for me to stay on the path when it's just me. I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that, but I have, like, all the time a five-year plan ahead of me personally, and I can achieve those goals, and I'm checking off my list, and it's going well. But with me and him sometimes, and, you know, we just had this little struggle, and it was actually, um, when did we talk about our finances? The other morning, it was kind of a disaster. Friday morning. Friday morning. Um, and I noticed that um, we had set forth a goal and honestly, it was me who was not adhering to the goal. I'm really admitting that right now. Um, because what I was doing, by the way, this is like budget 101, don't do this. But you know how you're supposed to function? We've learned to function on cash envelopes. Well, sometimes when I run out of cash, I, I use the check card. And it, it really is not a good choice. <laughs> So, um, through much um, painful conversation, you know, we have to come back and really come together and say, okay, what's our goal? What's our vision? And you know what? I was way off the vision. Um, and so, it's little things like that. And I know it probably seems like we're talking a lot about a budget. I don't mean to do that. It can be anything. Like, our goal is to communicate more. Our goal is to have a devotional and pray together every Saturday morning. We have to fight for that. We have to, that's our path. Like, We've, we've got to choose to stay on that path. We have got to choose to continue to do that. So there you go. You want to go back to talking? No. <laughs> you can have it back. Anybody struggle as a couple with your finances? Yeah. I mean, that's just normal. It's normal. Money's hard. And it really uh, pushes buttons in you, both sides. So, set a goal. I want to encourage you with your goals, set achievable goals also, and have some benchmarks to know we're going in the right direction. It's good to dream and to imagine for those unbelievable things too, but in your one year and in your couples, set yourself up for a win and start having some wins and then start believing for more and believing for more. So, make it measurable. Go back and look at your goals. Second thing. PT for the T is training. I will tell you, so many couples, including us, we got married. We got married young. I was 21. She was 18. And we did not train ourselves, or at least I did not train myself at all of how to be a husband. We just got married, started living together and doing the, doing the life. There was no training. So what happens when you don't train? Any of you ever gotten in an argument with your spouse and you weren't trained for it? Any of you ever faced a challenge in your life that you weren't trained for? I mean, you had your first child, and it's like, oh, God, I'm not trained for this. What do I do? This baby's crying, and they won't stop, and I fed them, 
and I've changed them. And they're still crying. I'm not, she said burp them. She knows. I'm not trained for this. We're untrained when challenges come. Uh, an example that I have, and this is going to be kind of silly, I auditioned for a for the uh, Cookville Children's Theater and the uh, CPAC, Oliver. So I went and did an audition. I'd never done an audition. I'd never read a script and done something, but stupid me, got something and read it and memorized the line and then went and auditioned with a bunch of other people. And immediately I knew I did not know what I was doing. It would be like me showing up for a ballet class with a bunch of point ballet people, and I've never done ballet in my life. And I'm up there trying to dance around and do some pretty twirls. So I do an, do my audition, and then these other people come up with props and with stuff on their hair and, and with other people and using accents, and I'm like, I'm not trained for this. And sure enough, the director said, okay, I want this person to read with that person and this person to read with that person, and they went across the room until me, and I'm like, what about me? He said, you can go. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? It didn't hurt my feelings. It could have, but it didn't. I knew. This is real. Why get my feelings hurt? I was not prepared. So what do I do? I need to go home and I need to prepare. So when you get into an argument with your spouse and you're not prepared, how do you prepare? I want you to know that we have to have the Word in us. If the Word and the Spirit of God is not in us, we do not have the capability to love at all. We have a worldly love. We don't have a godly love. And a worldly love is going to get you in trouble. But if you're in the Word and you're in the Spirit and you are training, reading books, learning how to handle relationship, conflict resolution. I am a conflict guy. You say something to me, I want to argue with you. She doesn't. But let me tell you, when I push that button, she can argue right back. Can any men say amen? Married couples are, know how to argue, don't they? They may not know how to successfully argue, but we know how to argue. You've got to train. If you don't train, what are you going by? You're going by what? Your past experiences? How has that worked out for you? Or maybe you're going by what your parents did. Well, I heard that. That was funny. Anybody ever thought, well, I'm not going to do that. But then 10 years down the road, you get going, and I'm like, oh, God, I am my father. My father's here, by the way. Everybody give a big give a round of applause for him. Amen. We've got, we've got to train. I've got to learn how to, how, how to have a conversation and a disagreement and fight fair and not fight so much that I pound her and hurt her and hurt the relationship that can't be healed back. How many of you have said something that you can't ever get back? And your spouse remembers. They're not the devil. It just hurt them. Do you hear me? I don't want to do that. And let me tell you, I have done that. You have forgiven me. But I still did it. And it still hurts. So we've got to train. And let me tell you, every athlete, every professional athlete has a coach. Has someone to go to and to gain information from. To be able to tell you, hey, you're not quite using the right technique right here. 
change this just a little bit. You're doing good, keep going, but let's make a little bit of a modification right here, right? We just watched Rocky II last night, and Mick made him change from going from left-handed to right-handed. And it was a complete worldview change for him, but he changed. Do you hear me? You may need to make a complete shift in your relationship. You, not your spouse. You, but you need to get around people and into information and into the Word of God so that it can shape you into what you can, into how you can be successful. I'm tired of being unsuccessful. How tired are you of being unsuccessful? Because if you are, you'll change. Amen? It's funny that that little chair is back there. I feel kind of funny getting up. Um, I do want to just go teacher for just a minute. Um, you know how we talked about those goals, and I'm going to wrap this into training. Um, but I want to tell you that um, one of the things that has been researched recently in the classroom is um, the idea of gaining children's perspectives on a good classroom. And um, what's interesting is, is when you ask a group of children, what makes a good classroom? What, what would sound good to you? And they come up with ideas like, well, I think people should be happy. I think people should be smiling. Um, they should get along. They should be nice to each other. They should learn. They should, they should do what their teacher asks them to do. They know. They really know. And so in this study that I was reading, they were taking those ideas and gathering those ideas from the children and then saying, okay, let's put this into practice. Let's do these things. These are the things, these are like our classroom rules. You know, not something that I'm just going to come in and enforce, but let's, all of us agreed on this. We all thought this would be nice to do. Let's do these things. Well, I think if you kind of don't know where to start, like think about what would be a happy home? What, what, would, look, what would a good marriage look like within reason? You know, how, how would our communication be? Um, how would we treat our children? How would we handle our finances? How would we talk to each other? And I just want to remind you, especially in thinking about this topic of training, um, have, you, have you ever heard the idea that um, practice makes perfect? But Paul has said, and I learned this from him years ago, that in reality, if you're practicing the wrong way, it can be a real disaster. So he started saying, um, what do you say, perfect? Perfect practice makes perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So in other words, are we practicing correctly? Um, are, are we being slow to anger? Are we speaking in love? Are we not calling each other names? And I just want to say, don't call each other names. I mean, it's so uh, inappropriate, but also it's, it's not biblical. Like, go read Matthew. It's a very strong warning about calling people names. Don't do it. Um, but can you put up that scripture, Ephesians 4, 32? And I, I think if, if maybe you don't know maybe what your goals should be, I think that this might be a good place to start, especially in thinking about training which is um, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, 
forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so I think that we need to practice those things. How can I be tenderhearted? Um, I need to be tenderhearted. I'm pretty tenderhearted. I really am. But you know what? Sometimes when you get mad enough, it's pretty easy to let your heart get hard. It's really pretty easy. So I think we've got to stay soft before the Lord. And it's really key to, to have that alone time with the Lord and to let him mold you in that time and to stay tender. Like, stay tender. Don't get hard. Don't be hard-hearted. Um, and forgive each other. You know what? <laughs> Just forgive. And I can tell you, you know what, sometimes, sometimes it's pride, I think, that we just think, you know what, I'm just mad, and I'm just going to be mad. But you know what, to walk in love and forgiveness, not only is it the right thing to do, it's kind of sometimes the hard thing to do, but it like makes peace. You know, if you're looking for a peaceful marriage, forgive. Stop reminding each other of all their faults and their weaknesses and decide to just love, be tenderhearted. I love you regardless. I love you regardless. I love you even though it's unconditional love. So train, train. And we've, we've got to change the way we're practicing because you know what? Harsh words, it's a bad habit. So I would just encourage you, watch the words, watch the things that are coming out of your heart. Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. So, you take it. Amen. You can't do any of that if you don't have the Spirit of God in you. You can't forgive. You've got to put the Lord first. You've got to put the Lord first. All right, S. This is probably my favorite one for the day. Strategy. Second Corinthians chapter 2. We see Paul gives us some instruction here that says that so Satan will not outsmart us for, me, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Do you realize that sin and the things that are trying to get you, God has shown us by his word and by his spirit how Satan operates. And if we will pay attention to his word and pay attention to his spirit, we'll see Satan coming. Do you hear me? In our marriages... I want you to know that one of the things that Satan primarily does is try to divide relationships. Try to divide relationships. And if we are in the Word and in the Spirit, in the body, and we're connected, we are going to see him coming. If we're not in there, we will be so deceived, we will believe the lie that we need to separate. It will make sense. We will somehow believe the lie, and it will completely make sense that we need to separate. It's just the, it's just the smart thing to do. Because we have been separated from the Word and from the Spirit and from the Spirit of God in our hearts. The only way you can soften a hard heart is by the Spirit of God. If you've got a hard heart, you need the Lord. He will soften that heart. He will. You can't keep Him from it. He will tenderize that baby just like a filet mignon cooked rare. Mm, nothing like talking about food right here as church is about to, church is about to end. But I do want to tell you that with that scripture, as the word shows us uh, the tactics of the enemy, my spouse is not my enemy. 
Married couples, your spouse is not your enemy. They're your partner. Do you know what a partner is? A partner is a person with whom one shares an intimate relationship. Elizabeth and I have an intimate relationship. We have a relationship that we do not have with anyone else. We have the same goals. We have the same mind. I am for her. She is for me. We have made a lifelong commitment to each other that it will not break, that we will love each other. We are, she is not my enemy, even though sometimes we argue and we disagree. Married couples, you're going to disagree. You are two separate people. We will disagree. That's not bad. That's life. You and I, we hang around long enough, we're going to disagree. We probably don't even have to hang around long. We'll disagree on something. I'm only going to say one word, but the, you, know, you want to know a way to figure out how to just separate the room real quick? Talk about politics. Oh, my gosh. That's why you won't hardly hear me talk about it much. It's divisive. It's from the pit of hell. I hate it. That almost got me off track right there. But I want you to think about how sports teams strategize. Do you know that not one sports team goes into their game without knowing what the other team's going to do or what they've done in the past? They watch film. They hire people to just watch those films and break them down and then go by every department. This is what this group's going to do. This is what that group's going to do. This is what this group's going to do. And then if we make a change, probably they're going to make a change. Watch film over and over and over. And they have scouting reports on players. They know what their weakness is. Do you have a scouting report on your spouse? I'll bet most of you don't. You should. I want you to know it is my responsibility to know her. And that when we sit down at the table for a conflict or for a disagreement or for just to engage, I need to know her. I need to know the Lord so that I don't approach him in an inappropriate way. I want to approach him the way he desires to be approached so that my prayers will be answered. Do you know that if we get something in between us, if, the word of God tells me that if I do not respect and honor my wife, my prayers will be hindered. That's God's plan. Now, I can choose to not honor her, but what's going to come with that is a hindrance between me and God. So it's up to me to know how he operates. Paul, if you will honor your wife, I will hear you. Oh, I need to learn how to honor my wife. So knowing the strategy, having a, a scouting report on your spouse is vital. You should have a scouting report on your boss. Quit trying to do it your way. Figure out their way. It will go well for you. Have a scouting report on your kids. I got three of them right down here. I don't know where the fourth one is. I, I, who knows? Yeah, there you are. Thanks. Everybody has a different scouting report. You, you guys all react differently to different situations. I can't have a cookie cutter and raise one, raise all four children the same way. They react differently. Do you hear me? A way that I have had a scouting report on my wife is going through love and respect, going through this marriage conference, doing the five love languages, learning what her love language is and learning what my love language is. Let me tell you, you need a scouting report on yourself. 
uh-oh, when this, someone says this to me, I fly off the handle. Hmm, that's not good. Do you have a scouting report on your spouse? What makes your partner tick? All right, finally, y'all are going to love this one. Yeah, everybody loves the word diet. I saw a t-shirt once that says diet is die with a T. Diet. Let me tell you, every boxer has to take care of what they're eating. They have to fuel correctly. I want you to know that in marriage, we have to fuel correctly. When we go toe-to-toe in the ring, do I have the right fuel in me to be able to be successful in this challenge that we have? So what do we take in? It says in uh, Job chapter 34, verse 3, it says, For the ears test words as the tongue tastes food. I want you to know that what you've got coming into your ears, and I want you to know, men especially, what you've got coming into your eyes is fueling you for your marriage. And I believe the reports now is, what did you say, that one out of every two? I think it's even higher. than It's got to be higher than that. But one out of every two men or men are battling pornography. Now, I want you to know it will ruin your marriage. It will ruin your health. It will ruin your mind. And there is a... There is a thing that happens in a man's mind that once we see it, we can't hardly get it out. We can bring it back to our minds like that. So the key is, don't let it in. If you're struggling with it, you need to stop. Pastor, it's not that easy. It is very hard. Ask for help. Satan's got a grip on you to keep you from asking for help. I had a good young couple just come today and said, it was so funny to hear everybody just be vulnerable and share their heart. You know, when we're young, we don't want to share. The older we get, the more we realize everybody's going through what I'm going through. And if I will share, it says, confess your sins one to another, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of those sins. Sometimes we have to confess it to each other. I need to have a safe person that I can confess my truth to that they're not going to go, oh, God, you're bad. Right? The Lord won't do that. Never. He says, I know, and I've paid that price for you. I paid that price for you. Thank you for sharing that with me. I am your ticket to getting rid of that. And you know what? That's what the church body is here for, is to be able to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I give this to you. And then someone someone like you, someone like me can say, you know what? I've been there, and I've got help for you. I can help you, or I know someone. Let's get to work on this thing. But Satan's gripped you to keep you from talking. And you know, God's a God that moves by talking. Confess our confession of the Lord. We've got to get it out of our mouth. What's coming in? Let's close right here with, with this, this next scripture, and then Elizabeth's going to share uh, one one last uh, story. It says, supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence, moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, 
and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed by their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, and you will never fall away. Supplement your faith with these things. As you are striving to win at marriage and to win at your job and to win in your home, to win in your mind, you've got to plan You've got to train, you've got to strategize, and you've got to watch what you're taking in. You know what garbage in? Garbage out. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. What are you connected to? Amen. I want to say, as you uh, speak over your spouse, over your children, over your loved ones, it's the same way, garbage in, garbage out. If you're speaking garbage over them and telling them how rotten they are, you know what you're going to get back? Exactly that. So um, I want to tell a little story, and we're going to close with this. Um, You guys remember the movie The Titanic? It's just a love story. It was historical fiction. That really didn't happen. It was true, the history The Titanic did happen, but that story didn't. No, the love story. Sorry. Yes. The love story. What was it? Rose and It was a conspiracy. The Titanic really didn't hit the... No, no, no. no. Titanic happened. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I want to tell you about a real love story from Titanic. This really, really happened. You can go read about it. Um... But um, there was a woman and her husband, her, her name, the woman was Ida. And she, um, of course, you know, they were, the, the Titanic had hit the iceberg. The ship was going down. They were trying to get people off the boat. And, of course, um, they were trying to evacuate the, the women and the children first. And so Ida and her husband were there. And Ida was um, just about to get on the boat the lifeboat, I should say, without her husband, because that's what they were doing. They were sending the women and the children on the lifeboats. And um, after almost getting on the boat, she refused. And there's several accounts of what she said, and they all have the same, they all ring to be the same story that she said. And her response was, as we have lived so we will die together. And she refused to get on that lifeboat. And her and her husband walked back on the deck and they found two deck chairs. And this again is told from survivors that they settled into those deck chairs together and they held hands and just waited for the inevitable. Now if you'll put up that Ruth scripture for me, I would really appreciate that. I didn't put it, it's there. Um, So I want to tell you um, one thing that Paul and I have done that I think has definitely helped our marriage is that divorce has never been an option for us. And you know what? There are years that have been very hard. They've been very difficult. But you know what? We made a commitment to each other and to the Lord a long time ago. And Ruth had said, this is Ruth, and she actually said this to Naomi, her um, 
mother-in-law. But she said, um, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. And you know, we made, oh, and where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. You know, I really have to respect Ida. You know, and they never even found her body. I mean, it's a very interesting story if you want to go read about it. Um, but I think that um, you make this decision to be in the boat together, and um, we're in the boat together, regardless. Um, I'm, in, I'm in your boat. And, uh, <laughs> and so I just want to encourage you, um, it's not always easy, but remain committed to each other. For those of you who are singled or not married, I think that these are principles um, that you will use at some point in your life um, with um, either a married partner. If not, if you never marry, you know what? Don't feel left out of this sermon right here because the truth is, um, you know what? We have commitments to each other. You know what? I'm with my kids. I'm with my family. I can tell you I love my parents. You know, my daddy, his family. His people are my people. His family's my family. His people are my people. You people are my people. And her people are my people. Yeah. This doesn't go one way. This isn't a one way. And so don't feel like, you, you, I mean, it just is what it is. Um, but anyway, so be in each other's boat. Remain committed and, and don't give up. And, and I just encourage you to talk if, if you need to talk. You know, if you need prayer, um, we're here for you. Okay, so let's pray right now. So, Father God, we just um, thank you for this morning, Lord God. We thank you for your word. Lord God, we thank you for what you're doing, Lord God. And we just pray right now that we would finish strong. Father God, regardless of where we are in our life, um, Father God, we just thank you for the plan that you have for us, that it's a good plan. It's a plan with a hope and a future. And, Lord God, right now we just pray, Father, that we would be finishers, Lord God. And we wouldn't just finish the race but we would finish strong. We want to finish strong, Lord God. Help us finish strong. And Lord God, I thank you for the covenant of marriage, for the people who are in this room who are married. And Father God, I pray, Father God, that they would finish strong. Yes. Lord God, for the people who aren't married in this room, I thank you, Father God, that um, when and if they make that commitment, Lord God, I pray, Father God, that you would be with them, that you would give them wisdom, and Lord God, I pray that they too would finish strong. Lord God, help us all finish strong. We love you, Father, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.